When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. On the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Bell tonight, Ottawa leads Montreal 14-5 early in the third quarter. Still to come, Toronto is at Saskatchewan. The Blue Jays are trailing the Indians 3-1 in the eighth inning. Cleveland has won 12 in a row. The Oilers will be buying out Lori Korpakoski. Euro quarterfinal this afternoon. Portugal, I'm not sure how to read this score. Portugal beat Poland 1-1, 5-3 on penalty kicks. Is that how you say it? Because they list the game as a 1-1 final, and then they have 5-3 and three in brackets. They don't make it 2-1 like we do in hockey. I believe I'll that's I'll have to right. ask Kevin Jesus from Global. He's a big Portugal soccer fan. He's coming on later tonight. I haven't watched uh, the highlights yet, but did, didn't Ronaldo take all five penalty kicks? <laughs> You're not allowed to do that. Yeah, they just put a fake mustache on him. <laughs> fake mustache, fake beard, then glasses, then an earring, and then his normal self. Uh... Would it be Willie says, would it be possible that the Oilers trade for Burns? He's awesome in the playoffs, has a heavy shot, and we'd be, be a good power play guy. No, Brendan? No. no. He All was right. just nominated for the Norris, so yeah, no chance. I think the Sharks want him. Miserly Dude says, Reed, if they keep Pouliot and Eberle, they will not be in the playoffs. Both are soft players. Neither will dig out the puck. The Oilers are still a development team for the rest of the NHL. And Jeff says, I'm so upset. Without Hall, we're going to be so bad. We'll probably finish in the bottom five and get a lottery pick. Well, that's happened before. <laughs> Someone tweeted me today saying, yeah, well, what's the worst that can happen? We'll just replace Hall with a top five pick in the, in the lottery. <laughs> we got Richard on the line, 780-496-0063. Hello, Richard. Hey, how's it going, guys? We're doing great. I uh, just wanted to comment on, on Torelli and the, the job that he's doing. Like, I, I got a lot of respect for the guy. Um, just for what he's done since he came to Edmonton, it, it, it's not that much long, or not that long ago. We were listening to McTavish's babble about making bold moves, and then he goes out and gets uh, Nikitin, and pretty much sits on his hands. Other than that, like I, I think we got the right guy for the job. So good on him for actually making the bold moves that we've been waiting six, seven years for. Um, they're obviously not easy moves to make. So I think uh, in light of the Hall trade, yeah, it sucks to see him go. Um, but, I mean, like Adam Larson, he can't change the fact he was traded for Hall. And uh, I, I, you said earlier that you can't get mad about the losses in October when we're sitting here in late June, early July. And I kind of see it coming where... The first time we get shot out or, you know, Larson coughs up the puck, coughs the game or something like that, we're going to blow up the phone lines with the, the Larson haters, and this wouldn't happen if we had Hull. Well, I look really at... hope that doesn't happen. We've seen that happen in the past 
with other trades and other moves. Um, I'm just I'm glad they're finally doing something on the back end. I think it's worth the chance. Uh, obviously, the price is high, and it had to be paid. So. Well, Richard, look at what happened with Talbot. You remember the goal he let in from behind the net with nine seconds left against Calgary on Halloween? I mean, yeah. I did the call-in show that night, and people wanted Shirelli fired for acquiring Talbot. Right? Yeah, I believe it. But <laughs> Tal- We're a pretty passionate fan base. And I don't, I don't blame you. Like, I know people are going to get mad, but Talbot wound up Talbot was probably the MVP of the team this year. Yeah. So uh, if if not for Hall, yeah. 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 So uh, you, you're right. Um, I, I know it's not an even trade when you just look at it on paper, but Shirelli's taking a large view of it, and I know some people don't want to hear that, but I think you got to evaluate the body of the moves over the summer and yeah. say, okay, is this team have the potential to win more games than they did last year? I, I think you're 100% right. You know, I think the team's moving in the right direction. This is not an apples-for-apples apples trade. Like This isn't something that's even close to what Nashville and Montreal did shortly after this trade, right? So, right. Thank- um, uh, and just lastly, like I, I just I hope the fans <laughs> welcome Larson uh, on you know every game because hmm. uh, it's not on the same level as say like. Jimmy Carson coming in on the on the Gretzky trade. I'm not saying it's like that, but he's going to have that tie. The whole time that Larson's playing at Edmonton, he's going to be the guy that cost us Taylor Hall. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope that doesn't get pounded down his throat by the fans. Yeah, fair I, point. That's kind of my, my hope for him. Yeah, thanks, Richard. Well, I mean, look, I, I, I don't think that is going to happen. Um, unless maybe he's like really bad for three years or something. Well, like that. I think that. it already sort of has started happening. That's you the think scary so? Thing. Just based on Twitter, if you yeah, but people... the, I mean, the Twitter is the raw emotion with no filter, and you're anonymous. No, right? but I, I think Larson's a young guy. He's probably checking Twitter, and he's probably wondering what people are thinking when he gets traded for Taylor Hall. I mean, he admitted he was sort of you know shocked that he was in a deal for Taylor Hall himself. So I'm sure he's checking it. Um, but, like, there's a lot of pressure coming in. He's still young. He hasn't really established himself in the NHL, so there will be extra pressure based off that. So, yeah, I think the fans need to just get behind him and not try to, I mean, just forget that it was for Taylor Hall and just welcome him in and hope he, he can improve as he continues to develop in his career. Yeah, see, I, I think that the fans are going to be good to Larson. I, I, I really do because, okay, you get mad, whatever, and, that, and that's fine. I, I understand that emotion. But they want the team to win. And there will be other changes by October 12th. And I think the initial reaction is is you want the team to succeed, right? You want, and I mean, they really didn't start to massively turn on Schultz until halfway through this year. I mean, it was starting, but the booing and, and the stuff, that didn't start till halfway through this year. And plus, Schultz's general manager said he could win the Norris Trophy. Mm-hmm. Larson's new general manager has said he's not a sexy defenseman. I think he can defend well. He moves the puck well enough. I mean, if anything, Shirelli downplayed Larson's abilities, right? So he didn't. He didn't say I just want to. He didn't come out and say I just want to trade. I just traded for one of the best five best defensemen in the league. I traded for the most potential that I've ever seen in a defenseman. He didn't say any of that. Yeah, I still sort of worry, though, just based on the fact that he, he's coming to a new team, he's young, um, he was in sort of a sheltered place like New Jersey where it's not mad crazy like Edmonton. You look at some other examples, though, Reed, like what about Jeff Petrie? I mean, the fans turned on him pretty quickly. Uh, even Taylor Hall, 
for as much good as he did for this franchise over the the six seasons he was here, there was still a lot of people criticizing all his negatives. Yeah, yeah I, I think those people were a vocal minority. I think most people well, understood yeah. what Hall brought brought to the team. But but I mean, here's the thing: it that's life. It's easy to blame one person, whether it's especially in sports and politics, right? Whereas really, a lot of things go wrong. Tony's on the line. Hi, Tony. Hi, Reed. Hey, uh, that last caller, that was a good one. And but I'm calling for what you just said about uh, that our new uh, GM might have to uh, spend extra money on an acquisition. But, uh, like, I just wanted to mention for the last 10 years, Lowe and McTavish, they grossly overpaid for the last 10 years. So you should give this guy a break. And uh, about Nugent, uh, he scored, what, 36 goals here in the last two years for $12 million. And uh, this Schultz thing, the only thing I'm upset about that is, uh, supposedly in the beginning, he was in McTavish's doghouse, which is ridiculous. That man has no you know, right to even think of anyone bad like that. But that's all I got to say. All right, Tony, always good to hear from you. 780-496-0063. Reed Wilkins, Brendan Ulrich with you on Inside Sports. More time from some open line. After 7.30, we'll bring on Marc-Antoine Godin from La Presse in Montreal to talk about that Subban Weber deal. Canadian hockey legend Cassie Campbell will join us, one of the best women's players in the history of our country. She is being named to the Order of Canada. That's pretty cool. Lots to get to tonight. Inside Sports on Chet. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. You show us everything you got. You keep on dancing and the moon gets hot. You drive us wild, we'll drive. This is Kiss, Brendan Ulrich. I used to watch a Simmons reality show that was on TV. What was it called? Family Jewels? Yeah, that was good. I like that. <laughs> Gene Simmons' daughter, not too bad either. Oh yeah, she's been. You know the, uh, in the, the, news. the wife was a playmate, Shannon Tweed. Really? Yeah, she's from Newfoundland. Isn't it Newfoundland? <laughs> Kellen Kennedy knows. See, I know a little bit about rock music. I used to like Aerosmith growing up. Yeah, they're pretty good. <laughs> uh, inside Sports at six thirty, Chet. DB says, overselling the players added pressure to them. That hasn't helped. Brandon Davidson is the only guy who was just left to play. Well, there wasn't a lot of hype around Brandon Davidson. He was a long shot to be on the team, and he was a pretty important part of the team until he got hurt last year. And what if he keeps getting better? Like, he, he still has a lot of room to grow. That's a, that's, that's a good point with Davidson. If you want to be the optimist, you say, I didn't expect him to be as effective as he was last year. Maybe he can even get even better and surprise us again. Year two with McClellan, like, it seemed to work. So we'll see what he can do. Joe says, hi, Reed. I think Shirelli's doing a good job. Fans should be happy that we have him. Oilers will be different and better this year in their new house. JC says, the Oilers have been cursed since we sold Gretzky and Messier and renovated the dressing room. Totally changed the feng shui of the Coliseum and the Oilers. Did I say that right? Is it feng shui, feng shui? I have no idea. I was sort of watching uh, Carter here. Deron Carter. Losing his mind. I don't know if he got a touchdown. What happened? He was pushing some Ottawa players on the sideline. He's a good I player. He, I think he scored a touchdown. That's what the sideline was There's showing. There's a penalty, though. Yeah, he's, he's fired Fire, up. Maybe it's getting called back. That's Chris Carter's son, right? Yeah. Good player. Uh, CFL a couple of years ago. Was it Colts he was with last year? Didn't really get yeah. to play. Went back to Montreal. Good for him. 
Uh, somebody texting in, Shannon Tweed is from Saskatchewan. I thought, didn't she grow up in the Maritimes, though? Can you look up Shannon Tweed? And don't click on images, Kellen Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> she does have ties to Saskatchewan, but I thought she spent time in the Maritimes. Conrad says the fact that the Oilers had to make the Hall trade is an indictment of former management of the Oilers, nothing else. So I guess Conrad's okay with Shirelli doing it. Uh, this texture says, Reed, Larson will have McDavid to pass to. That should raise his point total up to around 25. What did he have, 24 the year before, 18 last year? We'll see. Okay, now this texture says a healthy McDavid on the Oilers roster last year would have put them close to the playoffs. No need to make a trade like the Hall trade. I actually don't think they're much closer. Like, if they are closer, it's not much. I I, I don't think that they were... And, I mean, if you look at the the points percentage with and without McDavid, it was about the same. So I I don't think a healthy McDavid does put them in the playoff race. Yeah, I wouldn't say they'd be in the playoff race. I do think they would have been better, though, based on the fact that McDavid was out and also Clefbaum and Davidson and Nugent Hopkins at times. So if, if all those guys stayed healthy, then, yeah, they would have been a little bit better. But injuries happen every year, and I'm sure there'll be injuries next year. So they need to make sure they have the depth that when those injuries occur that, uh, you know, it won't be as drastic as it was like it was this past year. Kellen, what do you have? Okay, so uh, Shannon Tweed was born in St. John's, Newfoundland, uh, but she moved, it uh, doesn't say at what age, but she moved in her teens to Saskatchewan, to Saskatoon. All right. With so family. There you yeah. go. Ties to both yeah. areas of the country. Now, unfortunately, very unfortunate circumstances. Uh, after her father fell into a coma after a car crash, the family made to move from Newfoundland to Saskatchewan. Thanks for bringing the show down, Kellen. Well, hey, thanks for, what for I do. thanks for throwing a Paul over the show. Yeah, yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> Could have just looked up. We just wanted to know where she was from. Well, people want all the info, right? With Shannon Tweed, they have all the info they need. <laughs> just click on images. Ah, <laughs> uh, the internet's a beautiful thing, isn't it? DB says Errol Smith rocks one of the greatest rock albums ever made. A must in a collection. It's one of the only rock concerts I've ever been to, Reed, to tell you the truth. So I know you won't like to hear that. Actually, I went to UCDC too. So those are the two. Corey says, come on, Reed, bring out the case of lipstick and get some on this pig. I don't know if he means the Oilers or if he means me. But I'm not wearing <laughs> lipstick tonight. All right. So, look, people are saying if it's if it's seven years for Lucic at $7 million a year, do the Oilers walk away? Say it again, seven mil, seven. If years? they got to pay him forty nine million dollars over seven years, do they yeah, walk that's away? Too much for me. But okay, too much for you. Did the Shirelli walk away? Uh, does he? I don't know. I don't know if he likes anyone else. We haven't heard any other forwards rumored to come. Like, does he like Erickson? I don't think he, they're in the mix for Okposo. Mm-hmm. So, I think yeah, Shirelli probably would bite the bullet and pay that. But for me. I'd maybe just look at someone else. Like, I'd look at Erickson for four and a half, maybe Ladd for five or someone like that. Mm-hmm. But we haven't heard anything as yeah, so that's wa- why I do, yeah. any warm rumors about those guys coming here. And, of course, Lucic and Demers are the only two brought into town. So that's priority one. So I think, yeah, if it came to that, I think he would bite the bullet on Lucic. See, I'd sooner pay Lucic seven a year than Demers five and a half. Yeah. That Especially one. now that you have Larson. <laughs> I mean, Demers isn't worth five and a half. Nor is Sekera. Well, you can't afford to have two guys like that. Right? No, that are yeah. exactly. 
So that's exactly. so scary. I mean, that's the thing. At least you got uh, at least you got Larson on a pretty good contract. And Amaris brings a lot of what Larson does too. You'd want to find a more offensive guy if you're going to pay. More Larson's money on the younger back end. than Demers. Yeah, I mean, that's but, the thing. I think Demers is now on on the fringes, or maybe not yeah. even in the picture at all. But he anymore. doesn't bring offense, and I don't think Larson brings a lot of offense at this point yet. Maybe he'll improve on that, but Demers doesn't bring offense either. So that's why I'd rather lean towards someone like a James Wojnowski in for agency, or maybe a trade for Barry, if that's possible. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I, I'm preparing myself for fans to be unhappy about if, if the Oilers sign Lucic. I'm preparing myself for fans to be unhappy about the cost. Yeah, that, it looks like that right now. But it's but it's it, it let's say is is four years of a really good Lucic worth it to people if it's seven million dollars a year and then huge question marks for the last three years of the deal. I think Shirley if they it is. if they if that's the thing if they if they get if they get better if he makes other moves and they actually legitimately get better. Well, what if Lucic like makes not the players oh, in the team better based on the fact that he's won a cup before he comes in like Maroon who brought that you know this doesn't cut it attitude last year maybe Lucic brings a similar style and that helps other players like McDavid, Drysaddle, Paul JRV develop. So that's maybe what you know Shirley is looking at like we need this guy. He will make our team better. He will add these intangibles. Brian says, uh, Adam Larson is a great defenseman, 22 to 24 minutes per game. Not a power play guy so far, but with McDavid, anything is possible. His points will get better with the Oilers' offense, but but we still need a good defenseman playing behind the blue line anyhow. Sucks to lose Hall still. That is from Brian. Paul says, I think the new core is McDavid, Leon, Pugliarve. I think Everly and Nuge are now expensive and will be gone by this time next year. Well, that's possible. I mean, it's possible one more could be gone within the next few days, and then does the renovation just continue? I mean, does he free up more cap space, possibly? It is possible. Um, I I think I would hold off on trading both of them right now because I think both of those guys in your lineup this year, they'll up their trade value. Like, what if Everly scores 40 goals with McDavid? All of a sudden next year, if we're thinking, okay, maybe we trade Everly. People are interested in him. Or what if Nuge... People aren't going to want to trade Everly if he scores four Well, I know that, but I'm saying maybe another team <laughs> says, okay, we'll part with this defenseman or something else who others need. we got Darcy on the line, 780-496-0063. Darcy, we got about a minute for you, buddy. Okay, yeah, I'll just make my thoughts quick here. I think he's, they're going to sign Lucic. I don't uh, care what the price is going to be. I, uh, I'm sad to see Hall go, but I think it's just the first domino falling. I think Shirelli's turning this team upside down. And uh, I, I think we're going to be a bigger, stronger team that's going to insulate uh, our generational player, Connor McDavid. And I think it starts with uh, defense. And we got uh, Larson. I think we're going to get Barry. And that changes everything. And I, I'm looking forward to next season. I think it's going to be good. We're going to have players that are going to actually protect our, uh, our young talent. So that's all i got to say. Thanks, Darcy. Appreciate you calling and listening. Brendan, thanks for hanging around tonight. Hey, it was a blast. We'll, we'll do talk it again tomorrow. Can't wait. Well, yeah, we're working, all, we're working all day tomorrow. Well, I might be here for Inside Sports. I don't know. You should take Canada Day night off, though. Go watch some fireworks. <laughs> uh, Marc-Antoine Godin from La Presse in Montreal will break down the Subban Weber situation. Cassie Campbell's been named to the Order of Canada. She's going to join us as well. It's Inside Sports on Chet.
You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Cleveland Indians closing in on their 13th consecutive win. They lead the Blue Jays 4-1 in the top of the ninth. Carlos Carrasco for the Indians tonight goes seven and a third. He allows only three hits and one run. He walks two. He strikes out 14 on 113 pitches. Josh Donaldson hit a home run for the Jays in the bottom of the fourth, his 19th of the season. Davis and Kipnis have uh, solo home runs for the Indians, who are red, red hot. The Blue Jays uh, coming into tonight five and a half out of the division lead in the American League East. Your scoreboard is presented by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, visit crystalglass.ca. CFL tonight, Ottawa leading Montreal 14-13 with five minutes left in the third quarter. Kellen, uh, Deron Carter, who I think is a great player in the CFL, well, he's, he's been kicked out? Yes. What happened? You saw it. Yeah, I... Uh... <laughs> Kind of chest bumped with the uh, with the uh, Ottawa Redbacks head coach and Rick that's Campbell. not good. Yeah, knocked uh, Mr. Campbell right on his keister. So interesting. Ottawa just got a field goal to go up seventeen thirteen. We're going to bring in Mark Antoine Godin from the Pre- La Presse in Montreal. Mark, that must be the biggest story in Montreal that uh, the Durant Carter got kicked out of a game. <laughs> <laughs> not exactly. No, no. I think that uh, it's just. Uh, my God, it's like 24, hour, uh, 24 hours after a, uh, a crazy storm, after an earthquake, literally. Uh, <laughs> I think that the fan base is pretty, uh, pretty in shock. Well, how is uh, the? F- how, yeah, how how are the fans uh, dealing with it? Because there's a lot of anger uh, with the Hall yeah. trade. Though we, uh, though I do talk to a lot of fans who say, okay, let's let's see what happens. I, I get it. Is anybody saying in Montreal saying they get this trade for Weber? Well, they do because there's a bunch of, of fans that'll they'll follow Mark Bergevin wherever he goes, and when he defends his trade and explains how uh, Shea Weber is 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 a good player and 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 makes this team a better team today, well, there's a, a, a whole portion of the fan base who's willing to believe him and 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 you know and follow the team rather than just stick with PK Subban, but. In my mind, it's a definite loss for Montreal in terms of spirit, in terms of showmanship, energy, in terms of uh, entertain, entertainment value, and, and also fan identification. I mean, he, those things might not help you win games, but it helps you win a fan base. And, and they loved Piquet, the, the, his flamboyance, the same way that they loved Patrick Roy and Guy Lafleur for him. Right. Well, Waugh also got traded. Guy Lafleur, uh, well, I guess didn't finish his career with Montreal, but he retired and then and then came back. Right, Mark. What I'm curious because I've been saying ever since the regular season ended, there's no way they're going to trade Subban. You can't step up and trade a player of that caliber. I, I was always skeptical that it was going to happen, despite some of the rumors and and the mm-hmm. rumors with the Oilers last week. How did it get to this point where it seems the relationship between Subban and either Bergevin or his teammates or whoever did decayed to this point? Well, the, the one of the first public red flags uh, came at the end of the season press conference when Bergevin refused to shut the door on, on a potential Subban deal. By then, the rumors had already started you know, to, uh, to fall around a little bit. Uh, and uh, he could have said, listen, you know, if teams call, I mean, he's P.K. Subban. He's my best skater. I'm not trading him. Like uh, like Jim Rutherford would say the same if somebody asked to call for Sidney Crosby. But, no, he said, well, you know, if uh, Wayne Gretzky has been traded and all that sort of stuff. And they said, I'm not – it's not my intention 
to trade Piki Subban. Uh-oh. And after that, every public appearance, it pretty much kept that same door slightly open. And it was even more obvious uh, during the draft when he repeated more of that same stuff. And with his, Subban's no-movement clause that was ready to uh, kick in uh, tomorrow, uh, Bershmey looked like a man who was a week away from getting married, and he was looking at dating sites. You know, right. and looking at the different, oh, uh, yeah, and looking for, is there, is there something better out there? And I'm just curious to what, and, and well, he ends up being like the runaway groom. Right. <laughs> so. so how much do you, do you think this was based on the allegations, rumors, whatever you want to call them, that P.K. Subban wasn't liked by a lot of fellow players on the Canadians? Yeah, well... Piquet Subban drew a lot of attention to himself. That's obvious, okay? He's, and he, yes, he's more and more about his brand, and his teammates might have been ticked off about that, just like they they must have been ticked off when he heard they heard him say stuff like, uh, I can do things better at 80% that others couldn't do at 100%. And the whole episode where the Habs players voted for Max Pacioretty instead of him for, uh, you know, the best community involvement, uh, among the team was was pretty telling, but still, I, I feel that deep down, despite his extravagance, uh, I think that the players realized that he could help them win, and they were ready to put up with him. And I feel like it's something that management was not able to do as well. So there's a coach who was who never had a grasp on on his star player, and a GM who's extremely close to his team, and who's become more and more in sync with his coach. And when maybe, just maybe, he would gain from taking a step back. But for years, Coach Terrien kept saying how he had a plan for Sudan, how, uh, you know, he, he, saw him, he saw him somewhere where he wanted to bring him. And throughout this past season, he kept insisting how Sudan has improved as a player. But I think that they were not interested in trying to make it work anymore because they thought that not only his mistakes seemed amplified, but he didn't seem to really learn from them. Mark Antoine Godin joining us tonight at Inside Sports covers the Montreal Canadiens for La Presse. Just a couple other things on, on the Habs here. Um, they have hired Kirk Muller as an associate coach. And, and, yeah. and again, you know, when I see that, I'm like, okay, there's there's your coach. There's your coach in waiting. When is the axe going to fall on uh, Ontario? Is is that is that the the read there from being close to it? I don't I don't think so because there is always that prerogative that uh, any head coach in Montreal has to speak some French, and mm-hmm. Kirk doesn't. Okay. Uh, the the first the first key the, I, I think to bringing him back in Montreal is that uh, Michel Therrien had his best. This most success with the Canadians when Gerard Gallant was there, and Gerard acted as an excellent buffer between him and the players. Uh, his, re- uh, his replacement, not as well. So Kirk really excels as that at, at you know calming the message, making things go easier, and being really a good good connection between the coach and the players. So he, uh, I think it's going to to help uh, the, the whole locker room. And I, I thought. Honestly, that he would have been a great help also to P.K. Subban. Because, uh, as I said before, I don't think that the, con- the communication between Terrien and Subban was all that good. So I thought it would help, but obviously they decided to cut ties before that.
All right, and finally, the Canadians wound up with Mikhail Sergachev, ninth in the draft, defenseman out of the Windsor Spitfires. I think the Oilers like this player. I don't know if they would have taken him at four or maybe traded four and tried to move down to still get him. Um, but uh, were the Canadians pretty pretty thrilled to find Sergachev still available at nine? Yeah, they were. I think it's uh, they, they had made their, their they had their mindset on on really loading up on defensemen. Even though I think that Clayton Keller Keller was pretty high on their list, uh, but uh, Keller left before, and I think that Sergeyev was was still there. Uh, I heard from very good sources that indeed you guys, uh, the Oilers, would have would have drafted Sergeyev if they had stayed at number four. So he would not have been on the board for the Canadians, but obviously history went another way. Uh, but they're they're very happy. I think that they they're beware that uh, even though he's physically. Uh, very mature. Uh, they'll want to him to go take the experience of, of the Memorial Cup uh, in the junior next season, round up his game, maybe uh, try to be more efficient uh, for his defensive play in front of the net and in the corners. Uh, so and trying to better defend the best opponents. But I mean, he's going to be he's got the potential to be a number one defenseman. So it's not something that you can get uh, very easily. So. Uh, for now, they're really excited, and he's going to be at development camp uh, uh, this this Sunday in, in Brossard. Okay, well, that'll be fun. Mark, thanks for joining us on 630 Chet, man. The, the Canadians, uh, well, probably the, the two most compelling teams uh, this offseason might be the Canadians yeah. and the Oilers, given what they did yesterday. So uh, we'll have fun following the our markets, man. Enjoy the rest of the football game or however you're spending your night. All right, thank you. You too. Bye-bye. That is Marc Antoine Godin weighing in tonight from La Presse in uh, Montreal. And, uh, yeah, that game in Montreal, the Red Blacks up 17-13 on the Alouettes. You know, Troy has texted in, Kellen. I'm glad Troy uh, did. Troy texts, uh, uh, I would say, fairly regularly because I know I recognize yep. some of his stuff. He's, he's always got some good stuff to say. And I'm All glad right. he sent this in because he says, wow, I'm thinking we dodged a bullet with that one. I don't care how good a guy like Subban is. If his teammates hate him, you have a problem, a big Big problem, and to me that that is that is such an interesting debate. What what Troy brought up, and you could probably ask ten different people and and get ten different answers towards that degree of, you know, players getting along, chemistry, all that kind of stuff. Because you can always find examples of teammates who didn't really like each other, Shaq and Kobe but still had success together, and you can find examples of locker room you know, malcontents or disarray or guys that were feuding and, and destroyed what, what could have been good teams. Um, you know, one thing, Morley Scott, who does the Eskimos play-by-play, we always joke, you know, sometimes when a, a hockey player is acquired in a trade, people will say, well, he's good in the room. And Morley and I will joke like, yeah, but he's horrible on the ice. So how did you get any better, right? I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's more. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with, with Troy here. I'm just, I'm just, kind of looking at this from a variety of different different angles because I think Troy is right. There can be risks to bringing in a player with a large personality if he doesn't gel with other people and if he creates tension or if he creates uh, uneasiness on the ice and if, if he has teammates who won't go that extra inch for him out on the ice, right, or who don't trust him on the ice. Uh, or or the, can, this can apply to any sport, obviously. Um, there's also the other side of the argument, and I'm sure I'm sure Troy appreciates this too. Where, if you're on the Montreal Canadiens, isn't it your job to get along with PK Subban or Carey Price or whoever, 
right? I mean, Jay Onright was on with me a couple of weeks ago, and there was stuff going around that Kevin Love on the Cavaliers didn't get along with LeBron James, and Jay said, if you're on the Cleveland Cavaliers, isn't it isn't it your job to fall into step with, with, with LeBron James? I mean, you know, I, mean, I know basketball, hockey, and hockey are, are a little different uh, in terms of the number of players on the roster, and one or two guys can really carry the load on a basketball team more so than in hockey. So, so that's an interesting one. To, like to me, now the Canadians do have other good players. Pacioretty's clearly a pretty elite player in the league, right? Price is clearly an elite goaltender. Uh, if PK Subban were clearly the only guy driving the bus then don't you have to say to the other 19 guys, like, hey, the rest of you guys aren't very good. You better find a way to deal with PK, right? So I don't know. I mean, I'm glad Troy sent that in because I don't know if there's a blanket rule to it. You would think you would have to, as a manager and a coach, assess that in in individual situations. I suppose Bergevin and Terrion did that and said, okay, we're at the point where PK is a little more of a distraction then he is a help, and we need to alleviate some of this tension or whatever it was in the dressing room and, and move along from there. Because that's a pretty, I mean, like, I don't think the Canadians won that trade in, in, in any way. And it's not that I think Weber's a bad player, but, you know, the age, the performance, all that kind of stuff. If you're flamboyant, but you can back it up, isn't that okay? Uh, Troy texted back. Thanks, Troy. He says, make no mistake, I'm talking about a guy you can't stand, not a minor dislike. He'd make us better, but at what cost? Yeah, Troy, no, Troy, thanks for texting back. That's cool. Uh, DB says, it's almost like a workplace. Is this guy's attitude going to start, is going to make my best guys look for worse, look for work elsewhere? Jillian says, the thing about Subban is he never actually did anything wrong. His teammates were mainly jealous of him. Okay, let's see how much winning the team does without him. So fed up with the Habs right now, Tarion should have been fired ages ago. That is Jillian, the know-it-all Montrealer, who has texted here this show earlier and give us some insight on the uh, Montreal Canadiens and what it's like in that market. Clearly not a Michelle Tarion fan. Uh, this texture says, look at Randy Moss or Terrell Owens. Too much attitude, destroyed teams and their own careers. Yeah, those are interesting cases uh, for sure. Incredible NFL receivers, absolutely. I think later in his career, Moss tucked it away. From what I remember, Moss maybe tucked it away and became a little quieter as his career went on? And didn't Owens kind of keep ramping it up as his career went yeah. on? It seemed like the more... the It seemed like the louder Terrell Owens got, the worse receiver he became. Yeah. I don't, maybe oh, yeah. maybe I'm, I'm, I'm generalizing. I'd have to go look up the exact numbers of his, no, the, of his career and all I that I think you are correct there because he was being more known for showing up in SportsCenter top 10 lists uh, for his attitude more than his playmaking ability towards the end of his career, right? So. Moss was on the New England team that went 16-0, and right? And lost the Super Bowl. Yep. Yeah, he was on yep. that team. That was a good team. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, they couldn't win the big one, but eh, there we go. Yeah, they're just a bunch of chokers. <laughs> uh, 7.48, of course, free agency. Tomorrow we'll have coverage on 6.30. Chad starting at 11 a.m. or earlier if the Oilers do anything. Quick timeout, Inside Sports.
You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. So the Indians did beat the Blue Jays 4-1 for their 13th consecutive victory. Carlos Carrasco, the winning pitcher, 7 and a third innings, 14 strikeouts tonight. My goodness. Eugenie Bouchard and Milos Ronich both won at Wimbledon. They're off to the third round. The Oilers uh, put Laurie Korpikoski on waivers for the purpose of buying out his contract. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on Ched. Portugal advances to the semifinals at Euro. They uh, tied Poland 1-1 and then 1-5-3 on penalty kicks. Text to 636-30. Cam says, for years we always said overpay, get the best free agent, but we never got them. Now the Oilers may overpay to get the best free agent, and we will most likely get them, and we're still complaining. Can't win. That is from Cam. Well, you can't win unless you win. <laughs> There's my uh, silly statement of the night. I mean, and look, here's the thing. Until the Oilers actually put together a playoff team or are successful on the ice, it's going to be assumed that every move they make is wrong. I mean, I remember in the 80s, it was just assumed that every move Glenn Sather made was brilliant. They, well, they weren't. I mean, there were, there were a lot that were. That's why they stayed good. But, I mean, you go back and look at Sather's trades and signings, there were some duds in there. But the team won a lot. So he got the benefit of the doubt. The Oilers get no benefit of the doubt, right? I mean, the Oilers could go back in time and hire Scotty Bowman in his prime as the coach and Glenn Sather in his prime as the GM, and the first decision they made, people would think it's going to be wrong because it's the Oilers. That's just where they are in their in their whatever franchise. I mean, they've been out of the playoffs 10 years. I mean, you can't... Fans have a, have a right to feel some pain here and, and, and be a little uh, skeptical. Though I, do, though I do like most of Shirelli's moves, I will say that. Darren says, I think the Habs should be all right. Weber makes them better for a few years, and then Sergachev should fill in nicely. Uh, Big Al says, weren't there a couple times in the last two seasons where Hall was cheap-shotted and no one defended him? There might be something there. And Joe says, I heard Hall was like PK in the locker room. Is that true, Reed? You know, people always ask me that, well, was Hall a cancer? I'm not there when it's just the players. So it's, it's really difficult for me to say. Um... I think Rob Brown made a good point uh, one time last season where he said if Taylor Hall were the obvious captain, he would have already been the captain. Now, but that doesn't mean it's the other extreme and that he was some kind of evil human being, right? So, I, I, I mean, Peter Shirley was asked that yesterday. He said there weren't any other issues with Hall than it being a hockey trade. Yeah, I, I think you would just hope grown men would be able to get along. Or, or play together, even if they don't always get along. Uh, what's happening with Anton Lander, this texter says. Is he here next year? Uh, what is Anton Lander? Yes, he's under contract for uh, $987,000. I guess we'll see if he spends the year in the NHL or not, won't we? Porter says Chris Pronger was not exactly liked in the dressing room. I think Pronger had that personality that could grate on people a little bit. <laughs> but again, they won, so it solved everything. Hey, I I got to get to this quickly here, Kellen. This might we might be a little late into the into the into the commercial, but I want to play ahead. this. 
So I went to um, the news conference today at the Ice Palace in West Edmonton Mall. The Brick Invitational starts on Monday. 14 teams, 10-year-old players. Team Brick Alberta was rolled out. First of all, get a, get, get a load of this name. The right winger's name on Team Brick Alberta, he's from Edmonton, Escalus Burlock. What a great name, Escalus. So uh, you, you can go to uh, Brick Alberta, just Google Brick Invitational. You can get the schedule. Uh, they're going to start their games on Monday. The finals are, are next Sunday, but I interviewed young Escalus Burlock. All right, how do you feel about being named to the team? Oh, I, I feel very proud of my teammates and of myself. I mean, I love my teammates and I love my coaches. It's been such a great journey to make this Brick team. How excited are you to play in the tournament? Very excited. Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, tell me a little bit just about how hard you guys have been working and practicing and, and what it's been like getting ready. Oh, um, we've had to work really hard because this ice is not the best and there's teams from best of North America and we're looking to win so we really have to work hard. Yeah. So what's the, what's the best part about playing hockey in the first week of July? Well, it's like great environment and you're never bored. You've done a lot of these interviews, haven't you? You're pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Pretty smooth, actually. Yeah. What's, uh, what do you think allowed you to make the team? What are you good at? Uh, passion, effort, and a good attitude. Yeah. Okay. Wait, like, do you have a good shot or anything like that? Yeah. Because I have a good attitude, too, but I was a horrible hockey player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to have some skill, too. There it is. Good attitude plus skill equals good hockey player. Awesome to talk to Aeschylus Burlock. We'll touch on a little more from the Brick Invitational News Conference as we move along tonight on Chad. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.